I'm Justin Evangelo. This is Disenabled, the podcast where we enable people with physical disabilities. As of the time of this recording, the puck has finally dropped on the 2023 NHL season. Yes, send all the hockey jokes my way, because I am Canadian, how boot that, a? Eh? And in tandem with that comes a lot of blind hockey-related tournaments starting up, and also some training camps as well, so I thought it only fitting to release yet another blind hockey-themed episode. The first one I did, linked in the episode show notes, is with a former Toronto Ice Avils player, Kyle Ron, and this one will be, is, depending on your perspective, one with a former president of the Toronto Ice Owls named Ed Parento. We talk about a ton of stuff, really good guy to talk to, obviously, not just about the Ice Owls, but about blind hockey in general. Apparently, its international presence has really taken off. This was originally recorded in January of 2020. The official date is, let me take a peek here, January 28th of 2020. From a group of blind men heading to the Soviet Union in the 70s to play against some blind Soviet hockey players, all the way to different charitable giving events that the team used to cut its teeth and keep itself afloat, this is quite the conversation. So, without further ado, enjoy. Great to have you on to on to the show today. I promised your appearance either through phone or in studio. And um, everybody really received the Kyle Ron interview well, so I thought let's keep talking about um, let's keep talking about blind hockey. So, do you personally have a physical disability? Uh, yes, I do. I was born with um, a congenital condition called LCA, which is Leber Congenital Amaurosis which is a form of RP, or retinitis pigmentosa, for those who don't know. As I understand it now, thank you for correcting me before the show, you were the ex-president, not owner, president of the <laughs> yeah. Ice Owls. Um, That's correct. That's so correct, yeah. what did that process look like, uh, let's just say, be, uh, obtaining that position um, in, in terms of, did you have to jump through hurdles? Did you f- help... F- found like find found um like establish the ice owls how what did that look like uh well the ice owls were formed in 1972 um they um continued to play i joined in in 1981 the group that had run the team for years uh decided to step down after the ice owls trip to the soviet union and uh turned the team over to an individual who asked me to help him in the 1989-90 season. Uh, He then kept handing me more responsibility, and at the end of the 90 season decided, no, I don't want to do this anymore. It went to a vote of the players, and they voted me into that position, which I held till 2014. Wow, okay. That's fairly substantial in, in years, depending on how one perceives that. That's terrific. Going in, did you know what the Ice Owls were about? Did you have a, a history with them, or did uh, did you go in, pardon the pun, blind, so to speak? <laughs> no, I'd, I've been playing for nine years. I knew what it was all about. Um, as, as the years went on, of course, things were changing, and um, when I took over, uh, it was primarily guys playing hockey on a weekly basis from 
the middle of October to the end of March, and then basically scattering until the following season when we would uh, get together the week after Thanksgiving and start all over again. So, okay, so like a regular hockey season, uh, so to speak. That's terrific. There's some confusion, and I could count myself in this group too. Again, you cleared this up before the interview, but to let every listener know, whoever decides to listen to this half an hour of greatness, um, um, what exactly is the Ice Owls? Is it just a a hockey team, or is it not a charity but a not-for-profit? Does it branch into other athletic pursuits? What, What is it, if you had to sum it up? Uh, it is primarily a hockey team. It is a nonprofit, so we have to raise our own funds. Uh, one, uh, for a couple of summers, some of the players were playing another sport called beatball, um, which is blind baseball. But blind hockey now has grown to the extent that there really isn't much time for anything else because you now have the a Western tournament, an Eastern tournament. You have a training camp in the summer for um, – New players, uh, coaches coming in from different uh, different countries because we're trying to grow the sport internationally, and so the players really don't have a lot of time for for other stuff. And and so, um, with the growth of blind hockey in the past ten years, um, it's it's pretty much a year round thing now. Um, now. You know now. So with it being a, a not for profit. And it's terrific that you were looking to expand, and I had no idea there was actually sight-impaired or blind baseball. That's something to to look into because that's, out of all sports, you'd think that would be the one that people who couldn't see would struggle with the most because it all it re- requires is sight and a little bit of coordination. But back to hockey, with the Ice Savels being a not-for-profit did the players have to invest anything aside from equipment or did, did you look for donations from any new members or did you put together charity events to support the team? Well, we did really all those things. The players play a, uh, pay a yearly registration um, of approximately $250, which anybody listening who has kids in hockey is just going, wow, <laughs> because hockey is very expensive. Yes. Uh, the equipment, I mean, the players pay for that except for uh, jerseys and socks the teams the team supplies those okay everything else though they have to go out and get on their own plus the registration and there is also fundraising efforts that are are undertaken during the season Um, ice fees unfortunately have really skyrocketed since when i first took over the team i think we were playing uh, we were paying about ninety dollars a week and now it's close to uh, i would say close to 300 for one hour of ice wow so what venue would when you were working with them would you rent out for a game uh we played at the old uh, commander park arena now the thing that we had was a deal with the borough of scarborough um when amalgamation came in um under mel lastman in the mid 90s i believe it was that all went away and so now we were under the um, under the city's control, and those discounts were taken away from us, and so we had to start raising money. Um, a lot, we had to raise a lot more money than we did in the past. Right. And the and the registration fees went up as well because 
at one time we were playing for like $50 a year and then maybe 75 as ice fees increased slightly. And now it's at 250. It's been uh, at that amount for a few years now. And, uh, but the number of players has also greatly increased. So uh, you have, um, you know, that influx of funds, which helps out greatly. So who would, uh, circling back then, because Kyle mentioned that there were times when the team would play the local fire department, per se, as a, as a charity type event. Um, what other sort of events did you organize or orchestrate or help to orchestrate as pres as well as ex-president but during your time there that helped give the the team the the push it needed to stay afloat uh well for years uh one of our former players who lived in oshawa uh, ironically sold fireworks and uh would have team members go out and and work help out uh, with sales and, and just dealing with customers, things like that. And he would turn over um, a nice sum up, a nice sum of the profits to the team to keep us going in the following season. Unfortunately, now he's passed away. So uh, the team has to look at, you know, other areas to do fundraising. Um, they'll do like raffles, things like that. A lot of the games that Kyle was talking about, we were actually doing fundraisers, for other charities, uh, you know, small communities, different things like that. Perfect. So you were you were branching out and helping others as well as yourself, as a as a means of giving back to the community. Yeah, that's I think in the beginning, um, or at some point, that was decided that that was what the team was meant to do. Uh, you know, just go out and uh, play different uh, different opposition. Uh, we had a we had a. Um, a 15-year run in Sutton where we raised funds for various charities in the uh, community of Georgina. Sorry, I'm just trying to place Georgina. Whereabouts is that? Yeah, I... that's Sutton, Sutton, Keswick, uh, okay. that area. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I just uh, I didn't recognize no, no, the name. That caught me off guard there, flat-footed. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, aside from... Because uh, this this whole the one thing that sticks out from the interview with Kyle, and that's my only reference point for this, so I apologize okay, if yeah, I'm bringing no it problem. up too much. One of the things he talked about was the firefighter game. Um, now, who were some of your opponents besides, say, the local fire department or whatever? Is there like the, the did the Ice Devils belong to an officialized league, at least the hockey team, uh, as it were, or is it a little bit less unconventional? We're basically an independent. We are now part of Canadian blind hockey, uh, and that's really come about in the past 10 years. As far as in the city goes, um, we were an independent. We had ice on Sunday mornings, and we would bring in uh, uh, four teams. They would uh, each have a Sunday, so one team would play on the first Sunday, second Sunday, whatever. And those teams would contribute um partial cost of the hour of ice so that helped us out and uh, they were all fully sighted teams in 2010 we started to get together with the montreal blind team um also the uh, owls but pronounced the easy boo okay and that branched off into then getting involved with the vancouver eclipse which is the blind team out there we then started organizing tournaments that were blind players only. And as time has gone on, and with the um, 
with the establishment of the Canadian Blind Hockey Association, blind hockey in North America has just taken right off. We now have teams Vancouver in Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton, I believe a new team in Lethbridge. Wow. In, in Ontario, we have Toronto. Uh, I believe there's a new program starting in Ottawa. We have uh, Montreal. There's, I believe, a team in the Atlantic provinces in Nova Scotia and also in Newfoundland. And there are also youth programs that have sprung up uh, in Ottawa, in Brantford, in the metro area here, plus in other provinces as well. And then you've also had real growth in the past, let's say, seven years of uh, Blind Hockey USA. I've heard about that. Um, would Because contrasting now as opposed to then when, when you were president, what does this expansion mean? I mean, obviously, when, when you were um, working with the Ice Owls, it was just, let's just say, more or less for fun. I mean, there was a there. There seems like there was a competitive element to it, but n- now that things are getting a little bit more well serious, and and that, I mean, a little bit more expansive and inclusive with the blind hockey. What does that mean for the the, the sport, in in your opinion, as the ex president of a blind hockey team? Because Kyle said that. Um, one of the players, I don't know if it was for the Owls or not, actually is on the Canadian Paralympic team. Yes. Okay. There are, actually, yeah, there are four Ice Owls on the Canadian um, wow. national, national Blind Hockey team. One of them is, actually, is a resident of Peterborough, uh, Wyatt Harvey. Uh, we also have one of the goalies and two other forwards from here in Toronto. Um, we are hoping eventually to bring um, blind ice hockey to the Paralympics. I think the goal right now is is uh, 2026. At present, there there is uh, the Canadian national uh, national team and the U.S. national team. Um, we've had um, the Russians come over, uh, also the Finns. Wow, big hockey powers of the world coming yeah. out to, to check this uh, out. That's very promising. We also have the Brits. <laughs> We had somebody in our tournament for the last uh, couple seasons from England. And I believe there's also interest from the hot hockey bed of Australia. <laughs> well, it certainly is warm with those tragic wildfires currently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's great. That means nothing but, but good things for the sport. Obviously, the more countries and not uh, you have the better and not just any countries but countries that support hockey especially at the junior level um past december there's always the international ice hockey federation and you see all those big teams coming up like finland and uh russia's always been a good hockey power so personal opinion here this isn't this is completely off script what does that make you feel in a sense what does that do for you to see the expansion and consideration of hockey and getting a whole other demographic who have been sort of kicked down and, and, and kicked out of most big sports at the top level to see that become a reality possibly within the next half decade. I think it's great. Um, I worry a little bit about certain players being left behind. Maybe the people with lower vision are, are less skilled, but 
at the present, uh, we have a, a, a national tournament which will be held this year at the end of March at the Mattamy Athletic Centre, which is the old Maple Leaf Gardens. And that provides those players still an opportunity to compete in tournament play. But the focus now, I believe, is, is, is more on the national team, getting those players uh, ready for the, the Paralympics. But as, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's great, uh, having been sort of at the grassroots level of this, being, um, being involved in the beginning. Um, it's kind of nice to know that, you know, I, had a little, I played a small role in it. Well, for sure. I mean, that's inspiring. It's it's not like you you carried the weight of the world on your shoulders or anything, but <laughs> no, it's no, it's nice to not. say, hey, I was there and I, I saw this come up. And I mean, one uh, a couple more questions here. We're, we're running yeah. a little bit tight for time, but do you still partake in any sort of athletic uh, pursuits uh, extracurricularly? I suppose I could say. Ah, uh, not so much anymore. Okay, not so much. No, my my my. Uh... My LCA has got me uh, seeing only two primarily colors now, so it's kind of hard to compete in sports when you're seeing everything in one color, which is red some days, and some days is blue. Oh, my god! And gosh. it's got a little frustrating having to deal with all that. So I'm more of a spectator now. Or, <laughs> you know, I do. I uh, have done in the past some color commentary at the national tournament. I don't know if I'll be doing that this season or not. Very inspiring stuff, and uh, even if you can't play anymore or choose not to, you can obviously still spectate and enjoy, well, most sports now because there's obviously um, a market, I suppose you could say, for people who are sight-impaired. Ed Parento, everybody, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do my first ever phone interview. I can't wait to re-listen to this and uh, see how it sounded. I hope the audio is somewhat okay, at least on my end. You were coming in nice and clear, however, so oh, I have good. no well, doubt. Well. Well, thanks so the, much for your interest today, Justin. Uh, hopefully one day we'll see you at a blind hockey game. Oh, that would be terrific. Thank you so much, Mr. Parento. And um, who knows, we might have you back on again. There's so many more outlets that we didn't get to cover in this interview that I'd love to chat about in further, either on or off the air. So thank you so much. If you're interested in digging deeper and learning more about blind hockey, I've linked multiple resources in the episode show notes. I would start, if you're inclined to take a deep dive down the rabbit hole, by looking at the Canadian Blind Hockey Association's homepage. They've got tabs that summarize the history of blind hockey, as well as current events that are drumming up attention for the sport and everything and anything in between, even links to merchandise. It's not a sponsorship. I just spent hours combing through the different tabs on the website and had a good time learning about the sport and its roots. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it around. If you enjoy the podcast as a whole, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so by reaching out. Let's talk all things disability, podcasting, disabled podcasting. If you have any suggestions, criticisms, what have you, anything and everything, hit me up at disenabled.podcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out the Disenabled Facebook page. I'm slowly but surely getting it off and running. I post about disability, of course, and the podcast, and it's also a great avenue for you to direct message me if you feel so inclined. And as always, thank you so much for listening. 
Until next time, cheers. <laughs>